Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is the 25th of September, 2019. It is Wednesday afternoon as we record this. We have a guest coming in, or at least on the phone, that, that would be Morgan Hughes, super fan. We should probably crack on him right now. A whiny. He's, yeah, there's potential to be whiny there. Morgan Hughes, who was the one of the faces of the Save the Crew movement, we joke around and call him spokesmodel, but he takes it well. Jacob Myers is here, finally, and Kyle Robertson's here, and as is our producer, the Podfather. At the Podfather, too, that's Patrick Flaherty. I'm Mike A-Race, trying to wrangle this program together, for good or ill. Let's start with on-field business before we get to the stadium, boys, and before we call up Morgan Hughes. Seems to me, gentlemen, that highlight tape for a crew game can be two plays on any given week one is the crew scores and the second we go to stoppage time in the second half and and the other team scores and so it so it went down again in vancouver this time in in the bc place jacob three of the last six games they've allowed a goal in the 90th minute or later 94th minute being chicago and vancouver which is what two of the last three so, and then you look at the standings, just those two games alone. I think when we talked about they tied Cincy, they should have won. They tied yeah. Toronto, they should have won. Called it, they're done. They're yeah. not making the postseason. They win the most recent two games and they're two points back right now. It's where they have to improve. And it's interesting. So, we got to watch training yesterday and today, and they spent about 40 minutes just going over the last 10 minutes of the match before training today. And they worked a lot on playing with a one-goal lead and trying to get the goal, playing with the lead and killing a game off by you know, kicking in the stands, dribbling to the corner, those things. It's a shame that it's gotten to this point in the season because you do see improvement from earlier in the year. But yeah, that's clearly what's separating them from being one of the maybe in the top half of the league. I think it has to be mental now. At this point in the stage, it's 10 minutes left, five minutes left. All right, don't mess up, don't mess up. And Or, hey, I'm going to mark a guy, oh, wait, he's wide open and head her in. <laughs> I don't think the plan was to have Connor Maloney on, on no, the guy on no, the back there. No. Yeah, it's, you know, something that they're working no, on but solving. The Josie goal, Mensa was there, so, I mean, that was another header. Mm-hmm. He's just not marking. Yeah. So Vancouver's not... They're not very good. No. That's what you're trying to say. Uh, nor is Columbus. I mean, Columbus has two more wins and four more points in Vancouver, so they're kind of in the same boat. You know, that said, six teams have qualified in what is a pretty weak, at least I guess you'd call it a little top-heavy East, and then a middling portion. Six teams have, have clinched playoff spots in, in the Eastern Conference. One team to this point has clinched in the West, and that's LAFC. And that is a battle going on there in the West for playoff positioning or even getting in. But Toronto has clinched the sixth playoff spot. The seventh is up for grabs between New England with 41 points, Chicago with 38, possibly Montreal with 37. And then you have Orlando with 36 and Columbus with 35. You give Columbus six or eight more points, which is entirely within right. the realm of possibility. Yeah, they're over the, two points ahead. Over the span yeah. of the late summer, and, and uh, they're, they're right there heading into no, the No, they're ahead. Cincinnati, <laughs> Toronto, Chicago, Vancouver. Vancouver, and the Seattle Sounders yeah. game where they gave up a goal in the 96th minute. That's nine extra points. They would be in the sixth or With fifth ten. spot. Oh, yeah, nine, the one. Yeah. You got you to gotta subtract one. Yeah. It's unbelievable to think about it like that. Have you seen, either of you seen no. a season like this before? A team not able to kill a game like that? No. No. 
not not quite like this. We've seen some bad teams. I mean, the 06 team is a classic example. And that sort of held up Kyle as the one that's comparable to this one, a team in transition. That but there was wasn't as many completely, wholesale changes, though. Well, right? over the next, between 2006, yeah. which well, was an awful yeah. season, and 2008. Right. All but three players turned over on the roster. But I mean, just in one season. But one. what I'm saying is yeah. we're in it. I think we're in some stage of a similar transition at this point. And I think as Morgan will probably bring up, it's really not about this year. This year is more about getting up and running under a new administration, new ownership and new management and getting the stadium thing up. And to that end, gentlemen, uh, yesterday was a big day, Tuesday the 24th. Jacob, you were at the county commission office where the renderings or most of them they have to come back one more time to show what their signage and lighting is going to be like but basically the plans for the new stadium were rubber stamped by by the county commissioners yep and the last rubber stamp if you will before they can break ground and start constructing the stadium is the land deal right um steve Lyons was asked about this afterward and what did he say pray tell he was confident it'd be done before the October 10th date. <laughs> One would hope so. <laughs> and there's something strange here. Kyle it's contingencies yeah. is what he confirmed as well. As, and, you know, we've talked about that a lot as well. Yeah. All right. What'd you guys think of the place? I think it's happening. Before we get Morgan on to get yeah. a, a fan's eye view of the place. Renderings yeah. are always, they yeah. always look good. I think that that one view of the Southeast Plaza, kind of with the yellow lighting, is the Star Destroyer, Star Wars-like view of it. The things that I liked the most were, I mean, the brew hall is cool, and the beer garden's cool. The wraparound concourse where you can keep a view of the field, but there's no standing room on there, so it keeps people in their seats. And that's been kind of a problem with the Moffray site and there's no stage interrupting the kind of the closed bowl. So I like those things just from a smart strategical point of view and, you know, covering everyone else as yeah. well. The Nordec looks great. I like the yeah. two patios there. I think that's smart. Uh, yeah, safe, yeah, I like the roof. Yeah, the roof is, you know, covering, you know, every every seat and then, you know, also for those who who have Moffray Stadium's kind of like the big house where it's just open and a lot of the noise is kind of exits. You know, up in Michigan, you have this huge stadium with all these people, but it's not very loud. So I'm excited to, to you know, I think the atmosphere is going to be pretty awesome. You know, I think the fans do a good job anyway, but it's just going to be a little bit louder. And I think that, that will kind of win those big matches. And especially, I hope they bring back the USA-Mexico, you know, game whenever that. They have to. Yeah. I mean. But if it leaves, does it ever come back, though? Uh, like, that's a fair question. It does. It does if they lose somewhere else again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like Kansas City's is Kansas City the preferred yeah. venue now for. I would think so. Uh, what, what happens first at the new stadium? Uh, USA Mexico or Crew Host Austin? Ooh, I'd say Crew Host Austin. Yeah, right. Given the yeah, because you have to look at the World Cup cycles, and that yeah. would be uh, prohibitive. Be, yeah, yeah. would be set. It'd be sixteen. So it'd be two thousand. If they lose the fir- this next one, would it be twenty twenty five? Would be the next one. Well, because it's usually about a year before the cup, right? I, I encourage folks who are curious uh, and haven't seen enough about the renderings that were released yesterday morning to go to dispatch.com. Jacob has a good overview wait, story. Wait, wait, if I'm doing my math in my head, the last one they lost oh, was Jesus in the son. fall, right? Yeah, it was in the fall of 07, right? The last one who lost? Mexico? Here? Yeah, well, you, yeah United States lost. Was it 3 nothing? No, it was it was three to one here. That right, was, but it was in the fall though. That was, was that was the pre- previous cycle, correct? Yes, that was seventeen. Right. So if the stadium's done in the summer of twenty one, they could 
technically still host it if they choose to fall of 21. Guess it'd be possible. I think before those, the cycle of, I think those processes are well along, but we'll, we'll see. I'm just saying there's, Kyle, there's a Kyle, chance. You're just killing us. Here. Sorry, just, I was just running all the air out of the program. Now. <laughs> but dispatch.com, Jacob's got a good story about the overview, and he has some stuff about uh, the land acquisition, which is a uh, pretty. We've gone here from uh, trading a few beads for Manhattan to uh, a months long operation to get 20 some acres in, in the arena district but that's there i wrote a column i talked to one of the architects who did the stadium exercise for save the crew something re- they released i think it was august of 2018 which was very cool and, and at a time when um there was a gag order on everyone involved in the lawsuit their aim was to show what was possible in the arena district and uh, some some of the cues from from what they did for instance uh, that peak at the skyline and some other other things were were incorporated either unwittingly or otherwise in the new stadium so i have a column quoting daryl rogers who who was sort of the point man on that crew exercise and i found it interesting to get an architect's uh point of view it's good perspective uh, on 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 uh, what what he thought of the stadium although he's biased and a crew fan since 96 so but anyway there you have it that's dispatch.com check us out at dispatch alerts on twitter that's at jacob underscore myers underscore 25 at k rob photo at the podfather two i'm at michael a race one you know enough about all that we'll get another perspective now from morgan hughes who joins us on the telephone now we're joined by erstwhile save the crew spokesmodel morgan hughes who's settled into a comfortable life of i don't know saving the rest of the world now global warming etc Morgan, yesterday, and we talked about it earlier in the show, the three of us did when Jacob finally showed up, but your initial thoughts when you saw the schematics, the renderings of the stadium, and you guys were kind of involved in the process, weren't you, or a group of you were? Yeah, they brought us in a few times between, you know, the initial renderings that were, uh, that Alex Fisher and Dr. Pete kind of, uh, put out there at land grant back in December, I believe. So between then and, you know, yesterday, they consulted not just save the crew, but, you know, I believe they had, you know, discussions uh, with just basically like anyone who wanted to talk to them from the community. But yeah, I was in on at least three of those meetings. So it was kind of interesting to be a part of those talks and then see the, uh, the final renderings yesterday. What was the thrust of your input, so to speak? You know, I told those guys... And then, uh, when I say I you, I mean, what, what did the fans want to see in the new stadium? What were their suggestions? So I think that the guys, the engineers or the architects, whatever you want to call them, I think that they wanted to know first and foremost in the early meetings, like, what is Columbus? You know, what, you know if St. Louis is the Gateway Arch and Los Angeles is the Hollywood sign, what is Columbus? And... I think that there's a need to answer a question like that that I kind of don't agree with because, you know, you could, a lot of things could jump to mind. The arches down High Street, the rotunda at Ohio Stadium. Levesque Tower. The Ohio's, yeah, Levesque Tower, Ohio's greatest home newspaper. <laughs> the sign, <laughs> you know. But I'm not sure that I agree with any of those because I don't think Columbus is inherently or singularly any of those things. So that is, that's kind of what I told them. I said, I don't think Columbus is definable. And I think for a long time, we as a city kind of struggled with that, where we were always trying to brand ourselves as something. And I think that as we 
showed with the Save the Crew movement, I think that collaboration is really what makes Columbus great. And I don't think that's an architectural type of building. So that's kind of what they were asking in the beginning. You know, along with, you know, what do you guys want to see as far as, you know, do you want safe standing? And do you want this? And do you want that? And would you like, how many bars would you like? Which is a silly question to ask crew fans because we'd like all of them. So <laughs> yeah. it's just that kind, those kind of questions. You know, what occurs to me about what is Columbus, to me, it's still being invented. Yeah. Which is one of exactly. its one of its real beauties, especially at this stage of our country's history. Is you know, if you look at most cities were developed and have been in, in this area of the country were developed by the 1950s and, and were in a slow process of dying by the by the 70s. And Columbus is the inversion of that almost. I love it. I love that about us. I love that you can't put us into a square hole with your square peg, man. You know, like we're not going to go into that. And if you expect us to be that kind of city, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Right. And what, when you saw the final drawings, renderings, schematics, whatever, what things caught your eye and what, what, what was your overall view and how would you relay how people around you felt other season ticket holders, other members of the Nordic, so many people that have, been consolidating especially over the last 20 months or so or since the save the crew movement began you know i think that for those of us that have been around for a long time and and you don't need to be a fan I, i include the media and you know the employees of the team the players and everyone i think that every time one of these things happens stadium renderings ownership change you know like Anything that's happened in the post-Anthony Precord and uh, Parallel Paths era, <laughs> it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't, it feels almost surreal. And I had another one of those moments yesterday, or, or Monday night, rather, when we saw the renderings, where it was just kind of like, you disconnect from your body for a moment. And you're like, is this happening to us? They know that it's us, right? It's the it's crew fans that are getting this incredible thing. And once you connect back to reality... Yeah, I the first three things I thought about were number one, roof, number two, yeah. roof, and number three, roof. Yeah. You can't overstate rather how big of a deal it is going to be to have covering for each and every seat and that's both shelter from the elements and keeping the noise inside. I mean, we've seen how intimidating of a place Monterey Stadium can be, not just for the crew, but for the national team. I mean, it's historically a tough place to play for an opposition. It's going to be that times 96 when you have the, the, the roof keeping that noise inside and keeping people in their seats where maybe if, you know, it was too cold or, or it was raining a little bit, they may have been on the concourse or in the upper 90. This is, this is a game changer. That roof was the first thing I noticed and it's going to make all the difference in the world. And you know, they, they did it right too. I can relay a little anecdote without giving up any names or, or compromising myself. We're along in this process. There was someone inside who suggested, well, you know, we can save X amount of money if we don't cover all the seats. And that was shot down very quickly by other people who were in on this on this uh, stadium idea. It's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to cover all the all the seats. In a sense, they did spare no expense, and that seems pretty clear, Kyle. I mean, you're the artist among us with the architectural design itself, which is both unique, especially when you stick it in the arena district at the post-industrial red brick swath there, which which I love, right. by the way. Yeah, but it's, they, it's, they, yeah. they went out of their way to be different. No, it's, it, they did it well, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's going to be a destination where you're going to go and you're really going to enjoy yourself. And, you know, the, I think the biggest problem with the stadium now, you know, Mafre is it's just a stadium. So it's not really a destination. And at the time when it, when it was the first stadium, that's what, you know, MLS teams wanted. But things have changed. And, 
you know, I think it's going to be such more family friendly for everyone. Your diehard soccer fans and your your soccer moms and soccer dads who are just getting started and want to bring a kid to a game. Morgan, something that you had mentioned to me was wanted the stadium just to feel unique to the arena district and something that Steve Lyons said was they wanted it to be a district within a district and you got that kind of with the brew hall and all that other stuff that's going to be open on non-match days. Were you satisfied with those kind of things that went into the stadium? I think, I mean, you mentioned the brew hall. I think that might be my favorite part of the entire rendering. You know, I know I'm I'm probably because I'm a rough lad in the supporter section that I should say the Nordic, but I mean like a 5,000 plus square foot brew hall with open views to the field, uh, downtown, the entrance plaza. I mean, are you kidding me? That's, that's dreamlike. And I think that you said it all when it's kind of, it's this thing within a thing. It was always my dream for the crew to play in the arena district. From the moment I went down there, when it opened, I thought if the crew could ever get here, oh my God, the sky's the limit. But you kind of see that, that thing within a thing when, you, when, you, when you're in that entrance plaza. And I love what they did with the stage. I was afraid from spending too many nights at, at Mafre Stadium post-2007 that this stage was going to be an entire side of the stadium, which is kind of lame. But it, they made it a part of that environment. And it, and it kind of it keeps you – it makes you feel like you're a part of it, whether you're inside or outside of the stadium. And, of course, I'm just assuming this, having not been there because it doesn't exist. But and you're speaking, I think you're you speaking, nailed it on the head. You're speaking of it being outside on the South Plaza. Yeah. Adjacent to the Southeast, what is sort of the – Yeah, there doesn't need to be a crew game going on to be a part of that. There's That's, that's an open area that, you know – when Dee Haslam talked about it, you know, nine months ago, she said this is going to be something that's part of the community. It's not It's not going to be just a soccer game day experience center. And she hit it on the head. And I, I think you're right, Jake. It feels like it's it's part of the arena district, and it's also its own unique place. The last two things to ask you. One is, what do you think of this team at this point? Let's get a uh, rough lad's point of view here. <laughs> another week, another late collapse. I mean... Are you even surprised? And when there's no surprise there, do you have the capacity to have further emotion? Like, can you be upset? This is just kind of part of our equation now. The team's got a long way to go. I mean, good Lord. David Guzman is, I don't know what they're doing with him right now, but the fact that he's on the field makes me think that maybe they're not watching the same sport I am. Oh, okay. um, However, Ace's radio just broke out. Is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can only say that, like, 2019 was the chalkboard year just write whatever you want and it doesn't matter if it culminates in a b or c it's just going to be washed off by the janitor at the end of the night and 2020 2021 is what this really the season was all about building towards so it's upsetting to not make the playoffs but also like man i need an off season from a fan perspective i need a real off season one that's like you know you can rest and you're not fighting to save the team and you know you're not attending five meetings a week and you know from a save the crew is he whining Kyle I think he is is that whining <laughs> Patrick what's the fine what's for that? whining on the program beers yeah <laughs> alright I'll bring coffee in because Jacob keeps forgetting to do yep. it <laughs> that's a true yeah. our, our striker yeah. wants a pumpkin spice latte alright lastly uh, you, you go ahead and plug Aces Radio for those people who aren't demented enough that, that need to listen to something else no <laughs> I value crew fandom 
way too much. I value the members of my community too much to expose them to even the slightest hint that there might be another podcast outside of the Speakeasy. Well said. Well, <laughs> Morgan, Morgan, thanks for your time. That is Morgan Hughes, the spokesmodel for the Save the Crew movement. Looking forward to resting this winter. Hibernation. Thank you, Mike. Everyone. It was a pleasure to be here. Oh, you're nice. <laughs> All right. See you, Morgan. See you, guys. And that's it. That's Kyle Robertson, Jacob Myers, Patrick Flaherty, and myself. For all of us, thanks for joining. We enjoy doing the program. We appreciate the support. And we'll talk to you soon, probably next week. For all these clowns here, I'm Mike A. Race. Patrick, kick us out of here. <laughs>